before each other the past three days. I feel like it's been forever. It has been forever. Recording for the podcast feels weird. It really does. Because like we were both away. And like, I don't know about you, but I came back and I felt I was in another dimension. Yeah. I like forgot my surroundings for a while. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. I do stuff on Twitter on a weekly basis. What am I doing today? Like I have a podcast, right? That's a thing that I, that's not a dream that right. I just made up for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it, it's weird, but it's nice. It feels good to come back. It definitely does. But we did have like one funny conversation during the week and I can't help but bring it up because I still am confused. <laughs> oh, now I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, just wait. Okay. You are, still are, or read Theme Water. Oh my God. Yes. And you texted me about the naming of snails. Yeah, the snail sex. Yep. And (laughs) I said to you that I think it's very easy to name a snail. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I was a little confused as to why would it be difficult? No, because you said that the names sounded like snail names, but they what did. the hell, what does that mean? What does a snail name sound like? Could you I just mean, name a snail Sarah? No. But why not? not? Name. Why not? Why Hold on, not these are the snail name? names, okay? It was Edgar and Hortense. Hortense? Hortense? Hortense, yeah. Yeah, because then I gave you names and I said, Mort is a good <laughs> snail name. I think I had another name or maybe it was just in my head. And I was like, wait a minute, that's another good name for a snail. If we could actually stay on this diversion for another minute, because I need to talk about this book for like 60 seconds, at least. Go for it. (laughs) So if you haven't listened to our deep water episode, you absolutely should. And if you enjoy reading you should read this book because as wild as the movie was, the book was more insane. And part of it is that neither character is likable in the books. Melinda was not likable in the movie or the book, but Vic was sort of a sympathetic character in the movie. And in the book, he's just repulsive. He is the worst. He's so pretentious. He's so obnoxious. And honestly, it, none of it makes sense. Still, there was a lot of explaining why they're still together and like whether or not they're in love but none of it added up and Mm. there's even less attraction between the two of them in the book like in the movie they have that one sex scene but in the book the only sex that occurs in this book is snail sex so if you like snail sex (laughs) then hold on I just I want to read a brief passage if I may about the snail sex Mm -hmm. so I did not send this one to you but oh, okay. I'm ready. Refresh. Hortense and Edgar were making love. Edgar reaching down from a little rock to kiss Hortense on the mouth. Hortense was reared on the end of her foot, swaying a little under his caress like a slow dancer enchanted by music. Vic watched for perhaps five minutes, thinking of absolutely nothing, not even of the snails, until he saw the cup-shaped, I don't even know how to say this word, excrescence excrescences i'm guessing like some kind of excretion excretion yeah i don't know start to appear on the right side of both of the snail's heads how they did adore each other and how perfect they were together the glutinous cups grew larger and touched rim to rim (laughs) their mouths drew apart and that's where it ends yeah Um, so so guys if you want snail sex this is your number one 
that sounded way more like snail porn oh yeah actually that's fair yeah it was pretty graphic watching and um (laughs) yes he was a voyeur wow yes and i do have to say one more thing before we move on from deep water i did a lot of research on the author because i needed to know who wrote this book who did this to the world and lots of really famous shit this woman is fascinating in all the worst ways first of all (laughs) she's the worst ways she's a huge anti-semite so like that's kind of not great and then also she was a lesbian but hated women and kind of loathed the fact that she was only sexually attracted to women but she preferred the company of men so then she she'll have sex with women she'll fall for men like kind of kind of she she liked to spend time with men more so than she liked to spend time with women unless there was sex happening but i feel like that almost makes more sense in the context of this novel because you don't get the sense that either of these people actually want to be in this relationship and she was feeling all the time of like man this is the best i can do but i i just hate it here that's kind of the vibe of that book so it makes a lot of sense to me and and I know why there were snails, because she bred 300 snails in her garden in England, and she once attended a London cocktail party with a gigantic handbag that contained a head of lettuce and 100 snails, which she said were her companions for the evening. Wow, she is Vic, and Vic is she. (laughs) It's just kind of nuts. I actually want to know a lot more about her even though she seems like a terrible person she was described as the worst by so many people hold on i might have another quote oh you know this is kind of relatable she said i choose to live alone because my imagination functions better when i don't have to speak with people so fair it is relatable yeah but her u.s publisher described her as a mean cruel hard unlovable unloving human being Oh, I could never penetrate how any human being could be that relentlessly ugly. Wow. Relentlessly ugly is way harsh. (laughs) Yeah. So um, she was a piece of work, it sounds like. And I think... What were the other ones she did? Oh, okay. Hold on. No, but you're right. They were famous ones. They became movies too. One of them was recent with Kate Blanchett. Oh, yes. That one got renamed because the book was different. And then when they made the movie, they changed the name of it. Okay. Um, well, Strangers on a Train was mm. an Alfred Hitchcock movie. The Price of Salt is the one. They they retitled that one Carol. And that's the one that Kate Blanchett oh, was in. okay. Yes. yes in 2015. Yes. So... There was another. Oh, the the talented Mr. Ripley was one of hers. Right. That was, and that was a big hit. That was a big deal. That one. Yeah. So people seem to really like her. Well, she her seems work, But as a, as a person, Strangers on a Train. Yeah. Mm. it's just a fascinating like, I, I started really going is. I started going really deep down the Patricia Highsmith rabbit hole at some point because I got so distracted and everything that I found out about her informed something about deep water where I was like this makes sense now because I know this about her yes. so that was kind of interesting so if you enjoyed slash really hated deep water as much as I did you might really enjoy the process of reading that book it was a quick read it was under 300 pages so it did not take very long and just for the snail sex alone seriously and to make it a movie I want to know what that thought process was what screenwriter read that and was like 
I need to adapt this. I honestly don't know. Maybe that's the next person. More, and then not give us more snail sex. I Yes, they, they really should. Honestly, they should have spent more time on the snails. And uh, they spent a lot as it was. Or the, the actual ending, because the ending of the book, he kills her, right? Yes. The only reason I didn't like that, because I really thought that was going to be very satisfying to me to right. have, have him kill her because she's so annoying. But I also hated him. And by the way, he gets caught like immediately. He goes, he's going to go to jail. Like there's no getting away with it. But that leaves Trixie parentless. And that made me really upset. So I feel like at least in the movie, she's still got her parents. At least Vic. They're just going to be extremely toxic for the rest of their lives. Yeah. I I mean, maybe it would be better if she went into (laughs) a foster home or something by better people. But that was kind of a sad thing to think about when I finished the book. But I have to say that the book did a better job of showing Vic's descent into madness, because I don't think you really get that from Ben Affleck in the movie. And that could either be the acting or the writing. But right. The descent into madness is very clear in the book. You can see how he gets to the point of murder. And there's more. You get more context. There's more relationships. There's more men. Not to say that it all makes sense, but Mm -hmm. there's just more. There's a little bit more you can kind of get there. I read lots of paragraphs where I was like, oh, okay, good. This is where she's going to really explain why we're doing this. And she did explain it. And it just didn't get through to me. It just didn't sink in. It didn't make sense. And I was like, okay, well, I just don't get it then. <laughs> this is just not I have to accept working. this and move on. <laughs> it's really hard for me to do that, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I have not read any Riverdale source material, so I can't contribute any sort of insider comic book knowledge to our discussion tonight. And we're covering two two eps and we will try to stay within our lanes when we discuss them just so that we don't get confused and to preface i feel like i'm probably gonna have more to talk about with the first episode than the second yeah i have more notes for the first Mm -hmm. episode i i feel like the second episode i could rip apart more i didn't write (laughs) i didn't write any notes because i was so upset so i think Mm. it'll be okay i'll be able to have a conversation about it definitely But this is I Hate It, Let's Watch It. I'm Lisa. I'm Dawn. And to get us started, here's our 60-second summary. Concerned with Percival Pickens' apparent popularity among Riverdale's residents, Archie, Jughead, and Betty cook up a scheme to win the town back by creating a folk hero for the people to rally behind. If you need us to tell you who the perfect person is for that job, then you really haven't been paying attention these past five years. Archie attempts to win over people's hearts and minds with incredible feats of strength facilitated by his convenient invincibility and sky-high ego. It actually works! That is, until Percival challenges Archie to a boxing match and absolutely massacres him thanks to the hunk of palladium he hides in his boxing glove. He finds out about Archie's kryptonite by mind-controlling Betty into telling him everything, which is no bueno for our supernatural Also no bueno is the fact that Cheryl has now developed her own superpower, pyrokinesis. We have no idea why, but as Betty says, stranger things have happened in Riverdale. Ever the overachiever, Percival also tries to create a conflict between Veronica's casino and Tabitha and Tony's diner slash bar. Fortunately, Tabitha is a lot smarter than him and comes up with a plan for all the ladies to work together instead. Unfortunately, this puts Tabitha right in Percival's crosshairs as his next target, so fingers crossed she can outsmart him again next week. I have a drinking game for people. Ooh. If they want to partake while I watching. Partake. Oh, if we watched it together, we would totally be partaking. I would love, we should one day watch Riverdale together because we never have. We've only ever talked about it after the fact. And I feel like it would be a wild night it, to watch oh it boy. together. Yes, it we, could, we could live stream it.
Oh, that would be hilarious. <laughs> Take a drink every time you hear the word folk. Oh, because no. Because they said folk hero so many times that I, like three, four times in a sentence. And I'm like, we get it. It also started to make me question my pronunciation of folk. I, I started thinking about it too hard. You know, sometimes you just randomly think too hard about how to say a certain word yep. and it doesn't sound right anymore. And I'm like, folk. Well, you saw my hesitation. Folk. I was yeah. like, folk. Folk? Do you say the L? Or I don't is think it you more do, like but folk? I... <laughs> folk? Folk? Folk, like F-O-E-K, I think is probably yeah. how it ends up coming out of my mouth. <laughs> or for me, it's folk. So F-O-A-K? Folk? Regardless, take a drink whenever you hear it. Yeah, it's fun times. But I do think it was funny when Jughead was presenting this idea to Archie about being the folk hero. And Archie seems so surprised that it would be him. And it's like, you fucking drama queen. Of course it's going to be you. Right. Who else would it be? And for Jughead's narration in the beginning, yeah. to immediately categorize heroes as football players at first. Like he said, oh, there's many types of heroes, but like had to had to stick those football players in there because yeah, you know, fucking we, heroes. Yeah, <laughs> especially in Riverdale, it's the only kind of hero we acknowledge. But they were showing the posters of them too. Who was the first one? It was a black woman. Oh, Rosa Parks. Duh. <laughs> oh my God. I think okay. he named her too, no? No, this is why I'm bringing it up. Okay, because, I thought he named her. Because he scans by these names and the first poster is Rosa Parks and then it's two dudes, whoever they were. But And he reads their names, but he doesn't read Rosa Parks' name. And it was kind of like, hmm. what? why did you make that choice? That's weird. And like, not to say that this show, you know, is misogynistic or racist or anything like that, even though it, mm. it can be very much those things. I, and I don't know that this was intentional in any way, shape or form. It was just kind of a weird thing because I was expecting him to read all the names. And when he didn't read Rosa Parks' name, I was like, oh, that's a weird snub to Rosa Parks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's not even that important, and we just spent a long time on No, that. I know. It was okay. just kind of something <laughs> I, I needed to discuss about the whole football player thing. But. So the, the folk hero plan is foolproof. Basically, they want Archie to be really strong in front of lots of people. <laughs> I wrote, because it's like Jughead explains the whole emotional tether thing. Like, if, if you think of something else, he can yeah. get into your thoughts. And then he's like archie like that hero needs to be you and i'm just sitting there like fucking duh like well exactly else, yeah who else and is really gonna archie's whole me what do you mean <laughs> it's like shut the fuck shut up. up you idiot what have we been doing for six seasons God. exactly but another quick thing about that scene when you were saying jughead was talking about finding something to fixate on and Betty's like, okay, so like, for example, I could think about my mom or Polly, which are like kind of weird things for her, I would think, because she has very complicated relationships yeah. with both of those family members. But Archie kind of whips his head around and looks at her. And I couldn't tell if that was supposed to be like, you mean I'm not your anchor? Right. Excuse me, sitting right here. <laughs> Sorry, Archie, you're not the most stable person on the block. No, but I actually think he probably would have been a better choice than either Alice or Polly. 
Unless she was thinking they get her so riled up that her thought thought process would really take a turn and she would be. Well, we know that works for Cheryl. So, oh my God. Wait till we get to that. (laughs) Yeah, that is skipping ahead. So I really love how connected Jughead is in this episode because not only does he arrange this whole Guinness Book of World Records thing for Archie, but he also knows a sculptor who's going to make the statue of Archie. For that I wanted to throw up over. <laughs> I'm like, why do we need a statue? I can't. And it just, it's so sad and pathetic at the end when he loses. And it's like, look at the statue of Archie that we commissioned that now doesn't mean anything ever. It's pretty great. But I also thought it was kind of a weird thing to call him like the world's most invincible man. Like, what? Let me what? tell you, the laying on the bed of nails looks pretty comfortable. Well, I got to say, all jokes aside, thank God for close ups of. KJ Apa's abs. Oh my god. <laughs> and you know what's so funny? I actually wrote this would be hot if it wasn't so weird. Because the tests they had him do were just like I get the, you know, cement blocks on the chest and the getting hit in the chest. Everything was chest related, really. It was just straight and like I said it was set up like a carnival, like <laughs> world's strongest man. Like yeah. It was I, I don't know. And it was fucking and the most ridiculous thing is that afterwards, him and Jughead are talking and Archie's like, well, nobody really asked any questions about, you know, my abilities or whatever. I'm like, are you fucking kidding? Nobody in that room who saw you do all right. of this shit and, and suffer no injuries were like, yeah, that, that seems legit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He got off that bed of nails and had no marks on his back. And I was like, wow. yeah. So either there's two options there and it's either there's something weird about Archie or it's a scam in which case why would they support a folk hero that could be potentially scamming them you know unless the only people in that room were the town's people that go to the meetings all the time well aren't those the only people who live in Riverdale but that's what I'm saying <laughs> so maybe they already kind of have a, an idea what that Archie's, Archie's weird. at every yeah like Archie's at every damn oh. meeting well but nobody said anything nobody not said even anything. The, not even the world record dude asked anything and it's funny because I was thinking to myself as Archie said it I was like, nobody thought to be like, this is kind of crazy that this dude can do all this stuff. But all right, these people, I feel like they've got nothing. And so the slightest bit of excitement, they're just like all down for it. Mm, Yeah. Let's watch Archie get punched in the face multiple times. Right. And we're going to get a statue. So exciting. (laughs) But it's just so ridiculous to me. Imagine if he had one and there's just a statue of Archie in the middle of this park it's so ridiculous what if the artist that Jughead hired was the one that did the first statue of Cristiano Ronaldo where he looks like he has oh the eyes and a pushed in Mm. (laughs) oh my god that would have been amazing (gasps) wait we should meme that for Instagram oh a thousand percent yeah uh, yeah, that would be hilarious because that's what I picture <laughs> that happening. Say he did get the statue and then like Percival fucked with it and th- it looked like. <laughs> I would love them just going back and forth pranking each other's statues, putting weird <laughs> hats on them or in a dress or something like that. <laughs> Ridiculous. Uh, that whole plotline was stupid. And I guess we'll just see it through to the end. So 
I guess it's not enough that Archie does all these carnival feats of strength. So he has to participate in a boxing match with K.O. Kelly, who was another character from Katie Keene that we really didn't ever need to see again. But he's there and everything's going to be fine until Percival Jedi mind tricks him into walking into traffic. I mean, there's better things to like mind trick him into. I don't know why he has to walk into traffic, but tell him don't show up for the fight. Like, whatever it is. Well, I guess he did need to be incapacitated because Archie could have called him, but like, yo, where are you? Right, right. Fight tonight. And then if he's not under the influence anymore, he might show up. So I kind of get it, but it was pretty violent. So that's unfortunate. And then Percival calls Archie. And I think this is when Archie says, Percival, you snake. And that's just kind of my favorite thing ever. (laughs) But then Percival challenges Archie to the boxing match. And because because Archie does not suspect a goddamn thing when he really fucking should have, he says yes. Mm -hmm. I skipped the part about Percival trying to get Archie to cut himself with a... Oh my god. Oh, a box cutter. That's what it was. And the blade snapped off. So it convinces Percival that there's something weird going on. There's two notes back to back and i don't know what the context is are you ready we could play a game with this oh fun here he legit ran away like a pussy oh well did percival then run did he run away i don't don't know if he ran or okay but he definitely left because he he was like panicking and like right because archie was saying like you missed your shot now i have control because he was looking at the picture of his dad right right right, he couldn't be mind controlled anymore so and then percival was like oh no the next one might be from a different scenario, but I put, if they start boning, I'm going to lose it. Oh. And now I'm trying to think, was was I talking about Tabitha and Tony? Oh, maybe. I was maybe. thinking. Go ahead. Oh, well, I don't know. I thought maybe Percival spent a lot of time with Veronica in this episode, too, that I was. Like, maybe that. Too, I don't know. That but Those were my two notes that I was like, huh, what are these in reference to? Mm. But anyway, we can go on to the. The fight. Yeah. Yeah, so this was pretty brutal. I actually didn't watch this. Uh, I mean, like, I watched the beginning, and then once Archie started getting the shit kicked out of him, I was like, I don't want to see this anymore. I've said this multiple times on our podcast. I really don't enjoy watching people beat the shit out of each other. Yeah, so I mean, they really gave it to us, too, because it was all slow-mo and, like, yep, blood flying. It was... <laughs> yeah, it was nasty. Uh, Percival wins, and we see that it's because he had palladium in his glove which i said this to you do you remember on instagram you did. You did. i called it and the reason that he knows about it is because mm-hmm. he jedi mind tricked betty into telling him in the middle of the night randomly right like he goes to the house and he already i guess jedi mind tricked alice because she just lets him right upstairs right yeah also, I feel like she, you know, when she's Jedi mind tricked, Alice. Yes. Like I mean, she I, does put on that, like, you could tell she's shifting. And it's like, all right. It, yeah. Kind of make it a little more, you know, discreet. But yeah, I mean, I think that we're trying to get a better grasp on Percival's power. But at this point, I think the whole town is under his shit. Well, I don't know. It, like, does he actively have to be commanding Near people them? to do something? No, but like, you know, if he puts you under a spell, how long do you stay under that spell? Does he have to constantly be telling you like, hey, we hate Archie. Don't listen to Archie. I feel like Kevin is under it regardless. I don't think it ever goes away for Kevin. 
Like I, don't, he, I think yeah. he's like his little henchman in a way. I don't know that uh I don't know that it's really a full trance. I think that maybe first of all, has been able to manipulate people in small ways that change the way that they think about the scenarios. So like I don't think that Alice is fully under his control all the time, but he has been in her mind often enough tweaking the way that she thinks mm. that she, that's just how she thinks now that or he's conditioned them in a way to whenever they see him just in general something switches in their brain yeah and it's also it's still unclear if those commands have to be verbal or if he can just look right. at somebody and be like we hate archie but it's all we've seen so far is him talking an echoey voice and that's how you know that he is commanding somebody to do something. Right. And it's unclear to me if other people are constantly under the influence or if he needs to be coaching them. And another thing he decides to do in this episode is he tries to pin Veronica and Tabitha against each other. Yes. And I'm glad you went there because that's where I was going in my brain. Of... Oh, maybe I am the Percival to your <laughs> Tom's folk. <laughs> oh no no okay yeah so but the reason for this if we go back a little percival is on alice's talk show she has a talk show yeah apparently riverdale has nothing but it does have a talk show and fun to talk oh. show fantastic yeah. yep and there so, are definitely enough people who care about riverdale to do that <laughs> so they're watching it pops and percival comes up with the idea that he wants to put a railroad legit in the spot of pops like pops would have to go bye-bye and so wait isn't this on the 11th episode fuck no oh i'm pretty sure it it is yeah 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 this episode was just mostly about him trying to pit veronica and the casino against pops well i guess the only reason i combine the two you know why because the idea of getting rid of tabitha Yes, started. and also when they preview the new town billboard, it has a railroad track on it, and he had taken pops off of it. So like the seeds are planted in this episode, and then you kind of see them grow in the right. next episode. But yeah, so like him pinning them against each other was just they end up going. Tony and Tabitha go to Babylonium, right? Yes, the, the Babylonium. And guys, it's not a gala event; it's a casino. Oh my god! They yeah, are so blinged out, like they're going to a ball. It's not blinged out, but then they have a they have diner food being passed around. Oh, I love this. Actually, this is a great idea. <laughs> oh no! It's Yes, if I was sitting at a slot machine, I would want to. And somebody said, "Here's a spring." Well, no, not a spring roll. Spring roll. It's on diner food. (laughs) Not, but the wedding I was at this weekend, chef's kiss. So they're on my mind. Okay. Well, how about a milkshake shot? Because I thought those Those sounded good too. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of stirs shit up for Tabitha and Tony too, and they decide they have to do something to get people at the white worm okay my question is doesn't the white worm already have casino shit down there from when veronica used to do casino shit at la bon nuit don't think so i think she took it all out of there and did what with it like i i, I feel like it's all there behind the walls because they had to hide it <laughs> because it was still a speakeasy and it was illegal to gamble down there 
and they all came out of the walls and shit. So I feel well, like they it's had still the back tables. There. They had the. T- they might have <laughs> had the tables. I don't remember there being slots at Labano. I'm sure there were, but regardless, there's that. And then Tony decides to resurrect um, an, an old favorite tradition, which. I feel like it was a risky move on the part of the show, given the reception of the first time we saw a serpent dance. <laughs> well, in all fairness, she was a fresh serpent. <laughs> right. She was, and really um, didn't know what her audience was. A minor serpent. <laughs> well, a minor as well. <laughs> it is a little bit better that Tony is an adult doing this. Yes. She looked fantastic. And Tabitha was really bad at it. Oh, I she mean, she was super stiff in her dancing. <laughs> she, her frame, I feel like is not really a dancer's frame. It might be a ballerina's frame, but mm. she doesn't have the curves. I feel like for the the sexy dancing, I loved because then Fang shows up. Yeah, and he's like, <laughs> "I just got out of jail, and suddenly you're in a remake of Shoke." <laughs> like damn fangs i mean you're not wrong coming in hot he was serving truths there because he did make a pretty good point that when they're trying to file for custody of their child that maybe she should keep her clothes not Not the best thing but we also just don't really talk about baby anthony ever and that really pisses me off because it's one of those things that should be a huge plot point and just isn't because we're doing all this other fucking nonsense Oh, also, very quickly, because I find this hilarious, Veronica goes incognito. Oh my god! Why? The fucking blonde wig. Do you really think you are unnoticeable yeah. with a blonde wig on sitting right yeah. next to Percival, yes. mind you? He didn't have a disguise. And why? Why did she have to be in disguise? Why would you need to be like, these are your friends? Of course you would go to their bar. and. Right. They went to your casino and they didn't feel the need to go undercover to do that. Oh, that was funny, man. So fucking stupid. Oh, I hate this show sometimes. Oh. Anyway, so now Mm -hmm. they're all upset with each other. And what I don't know and where I feel like you were making the connection to this storyline is, is Veronica doing this under Percival's control? Because if she's not, she's being a mega bitch. Yeah, and I feel like she's playing it off pretty well. Like, I can't really tell if she's under his, you know, right. spell or whatever. But it's, because I feel like it's something she would do anyway. Well, yeah, my personal yeah, opinion it, is that this is Veronica legit. for the most part, because she did have an objection to when Percival suggested firebombing Pops. And can I just say, I've never heard the term firebomb before season five of Riverdale. And now I think I've heard it 10 to 15 times. It's their go-to. I actually wrote my notes. Of course, firebombs are the solution. Yeah. I I don't. Is that the only weapon? I (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, she says no to that. So she has some amount of free will and was able to recognize that that's a really shitty idea but the fact that she her instinct was to try to compete with her friends instead of helping them or you know trying to talk to them and work something out the fact that it had to come from Tabitha is like what are you doing I have an idea oh what if well did Jughead explain to everybody well the core five or whatever that the whole like emotional tether thing i don't think so 
Because the and only thing I, think I could we... think of is Veronica was playing him. I don't think so. Because from very early on, you know, she was interacting with Percival and kind of leaning into it. You know, even letting him stay at the bow or in one of her um, right, 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 and stuff. Like she shouldn't want to have anything to do with him. So it's weird to me that she's even entertaining conversations with him. Yeah. I also want to know where he gets his money because he's just shelling it out like everywhere. Well, yes, but I mean, he has no past. We don't know. Right. (laughs) He's just a. He's an entity. We're Mm -hmm. not even sure if he's human anymore. Right. Can I be an entity? (laughs) Would be nice. Would be nice. Comes with a nice paycheck. But. The other thing I enjoyed was when he, of course, Percival sings, you know. I hated it. He needed one more person on this show who sings. To sing. Yeah. The ladies love it, though, Dawn. And even also the men. I do not find him attractive. Do you? No. No. And you know I love a British accent, so it's really hard for me to have to. Yeah, no, he has that stuck-up British vibe, and I don't like it. Yeah, and I actually... It occurred to me when he was in the boxing ring with Archie. I think the actor who plays Percival is very brave for being in the same space as a shirtless. Oh, <laughs> his body isn't awful, but I mean, no, in comparison, how in do comparison, you do that? It was not. Oh, I felt bad. I felt real bad. It's kind of like Twilight with Edward Cullen and, and Jacob, you know, uh. like Robert Pattinson doesn't have like a terrible body, but. No, Next in the movie, to... he just glitters. And then you have Jacob, who's super ripped, super gorge. <laughs> so it kind of reminded me of that. Yeah, definitely. Do we want to get into Cheryl's predicament? Uh, I guess we have to, because I do think that's the only thing. Left the last here. part, right? Very pleased that Britta is out of that house. That's what I said. I'm like, amazing. Yeah. But I thought it was sweet that they like hugged and all that. I think Cheryl genuinely cared for Britta. I I honestly don't know. And I feel like what was the point of Britta? Because I really thought, and we had said this back in season five, really thought that Britta was being introduced as a way to get Cheryl to open up and connect with another person after she had been isolating herself for so long oh she did she became abigail (laughs) okay well she connected with another person (laughs) all right well in a meaningful way that would inspire some sort of personal growth and britta just never really did that with her cheryl took a very authoritative stance with her Mm -hmm. ordered her around immediately kind of brought her into all of this absolute batshit craziness that goes on in her family didn't seem to have any regard for her safety. I, I don't know. And just to have Britta pick up and leave one day and say that her parents have decided to accept her for who she is. I'm like, what? Why did we do this? Why right. We- like you weren't even there the whole time. So what makes them all of a sudden be okay? Just one day they woke up and they're like, we want our daughter back and we don't care. Yeah. And the fact that she went back, I don't know. It, it felt like they were trying to get rid of her very quickly. Yeah. And so it just cheapens the whole thing that was her whole story i don't know why we bothered essentially Mm -hmm. and i mean they do this all the time like with uh what's his face jackson and his whole ptsd you know they yes and then it just disappeared yep yeah and it might come back every once in a while but it's really not being addressed and it's a serious issue in the same way that acceptance for gay people especially gay kids Mm-hmm. from their families that's a serious thing and it could have been i don't know i don't know this show sucks 
Mm-hmm. Let's move on. We we were going to talk about Cheryl. We spent like three minutes talking about Britta. I know. So Cheryl, all of a sudden, very strangely, she starts heating up. <laughs> yeah. Which she has a fever, but it just keeps climbing and like scary rates. Yeah. And it was giving me a panic attack. So you know, I can't deal with heat like that. No. And yeah. it was horrible to watch. But she brings in Darius again, her night nurse. <laughs> right. He's a little course. hottie. Hottie in the scrubs. R.I.P. Um, yeah, he kind of blows up. Yeah, he spontaneously combusts. Well, yes. actually, they say that he didn't. Right? Or did he? Oh, no, they said that he didn't. It wasn't right. necessarily that. Yeah, because his, his, I don't know. Whatever. Because it didn't come from inside of him. It right. came from Cheryl. And that's right. It came from Cheryl. But yeah. I did like how Betty's involvement brought some like comedic relief, I felt. Yes. I mean, I always love Betty. And actually, I thought that her speech at the end when she was trying to get Cheryl to channel her powers, I thought she did a great job with yes. that motivational speech. I She's my queen. I love her so much. I also loved the burn your mother set her ass on fire <laughs> that was phenomenal yeah and actually while we're at it can we also burn the abigail doll why are they not I'm destroying like, the doll oh my god i said that just burn the fucking doll yes and honestly you want to practice it, your new power just fucking set everything on fire exactly <laughs> and if they can't burn the doll for some reason they should have at least given it a zombie burial and encased it in concrete something. or something and buried it. That doll should not just have free reign of the house. Right. That little glass cabinet's not going to do it. No, no, absolutely. If, if it's a supernatural entity, it is not going to be contained in that cabinet. And I, they keep showing it ominously. And right. I, I don't The minute trust they it. showed that Cheryl was reading and as she's reading, she sets the book on fire. Yeah. And then they pan to the doll. And I'm like, why are you even sitting in the same room as this fucking thing? And if that's your bedroom, why is the doll in the bedroom? No, it's it's all wrong. All wrong. They've made all the horror movie mistakes. But mm-hmm. I think potentially why they keep panning to the doll is because that FBI agent that Betty meets with who is specializing in weird phenomena. I was gonna say that too. I didn't know the FBI deals with phenomenons. That doesn't really surprise me. I actually would believe that they have a a department that specifically investigates sort of like unexplained things. See, I would have taken CIA for that. Well, what I do find hard to believe is that it's well known enough that Betty knows about it. I feel like that kind of a operation would be kept hush hush. True. And I don't think Betty would just kind of know that this and, and be able to just get in touch with somebody from that department very quickly. So regardless, she does say that trauma could have brought on a development of a superpower, which makes sense for the bomb victims and also makes sense uh-huh. for Cheryl since she was just possessed. <laughs> so, yeah. and then Tabitha got shot in the next episode. So we can talk about that then. But so people are developing superpowers after trauma, which, okay. Yeah, I actually fine. wrote a summary of those that we can go over. A after. summary? Yeah, I just kind of quickly, who's got what? Oh, yeah, we can talk about that. I mean, they're like, yeah, after the next, they're one. like a supernatural A team, basically, but. Cheryl eventually learns how to control her pyrokinesis. Hmm. She's actually really good at it by the end of the episode, which is kind yeah. of annoying. <laughs> she went from like nearly exploding 
to lighting candles very um you know casually yeah I (laughs) could never imagine being that hot yeah you would probably run hot all the time you know like you just kind of have a low level fire burning within you at all times right until like you can control it like that would drive me fucking insane I've been in an ice bath all the time which they attempted but that still didn't really do anything yeah you'd have to go live in like Alaska or something and then I believe right at the end, just quickly to mm-hmm. sum up the show. Oh, okay. And segue it basically. Yeah. <laughs> you have Tom Keller, Frank, and Percival standing outside of Pops. And mm-hmm. Percival's basically like, Tabitha needs to go. She's not meant for the new world or whatever the fuck you called it. Yeah. The new Riverdale world building or something. Yeah. And I'm just like, this is not the hot dad's club I remember. <laughs> No, because I want to say there was a scene seasons past where it's like you saw the hot dad's club like standing outside of pops for one reason yeah. or another. I'm like, this is not no, it's not okay. A, this is a Motley crew. It is. <laughs> one quick thing too, because I'm thinking about the end of the episode now with Percival being in Betty's bedroom. Why don't Betty and Archie live together? Good question. <laughs> They're ready to pop babies out and shit. And like, yeah, you don't... I don't know. And like Archie's living in his house by himself. Would Betty not live with him? Is it still the whole construction thing? Be- maybe. But then where's Archie living? I don't know. The only place we really saw him in this episode was at the El Royale. Maybe he's living there. I mean, we know that people can sleep under the And I just wanna I just wanna bring up another thing that I hate so much. Okay. The inconsistency with Betty wearing the fucking sunglasses. <laughs> I knew it. As soon as I saw her with sunglasses on in this episode, I was like, oh, Dawn's going to have something to say about this. Especially dealing with <laughs> Cheryl and Fire. That shit's bright. Wear the fucking glasses, dude. Yeah, it's it's arbitrary. I think you're going to have to try and get over that one because it's never going to be what you <sighs> that want That in town be. meetings. I'm over town meetings, too. They yeah. Could, they could go bye-byes. Yep. I totally agree. But... I guess we can move on to the the next episode, <sighs> Angels in America. And to get us started, here's our 60-second summary. This Tabitha-centric episode is all over the map, figuratively and chronologically. When Percival unveils his plan to build a railroad right through the center of Riverdale, which also happens to be Pop's diner, Tabitha becomes determined to get the diner landmark status to stop him. But before she even gets started, she gets shot by Percival's hired hitman, and rather than dying, she simply travels back in time to 1944. That's right, Riverdale does time travel now. We take a tour of racism throughout history with some iteration of Percival popping up in every time period. By the time we get to the late 1990s, Tabitha has realized that Percival is even more dangerous and less human than we thought, and Pops is the only common safe place for the residents of Riverdale. Using her new chronokinetic powers one last time, Tabitha jumps forward into the future to find that Riverdale has become an apocalyptic wasteland. Now it's up to Archie, Jughead, Betty, Cheryl, Tabitha, and their newly acquired superpowers to stop that future from becoming reality. Oh, and also, Tabitha drinks a milkshake out of the actual Holy Grail, and it is probably the most Mad Libs thing we've ever seen on this show. We shudder to think what they'll come up with next. I mean, I felt like we were just going through the same shit four different times it reminded me a whole lot of the um cheryl through the ages episode yeah it had the same vibe to it and unfortunately it also had the the vibe of performative i don't know activism i guess Mm. whenever riverdale tries to do stuff like this it really bothers me because (laughs) there are, are other ways to go at 
racial disparity and yeah i feel like they tried to also give it like a it's a wonderful life spin plus it's a wonderful life <laughs> yeah because it's like not it's a wonderful life i'm sorry well yeah or christmas carol but a combination of the two i, <laughs> I guess wonderful i mean life also did like the whole what if scenarios yeah there's like, time travel involved I yeah. guess. <laughs> but again we go into these different decades and it's the same scenario just the people are named differently why do they all have to have names that start with the same letter as their original character <sighs> that that makes me so angry <laughs> right like we know who they are literally. right yeah we're not gonna get confused if you and they're all in the different. same profession yeah every time yeah like Fang and tony were a couple yeah and they had a baby (laughs) like you could have mixed and matched in in a way but percival and kevin are still sheriff and some type of authority in every one yeah tavis is always at the diner (laughs) well that's her totem so she has to be yeah i didn't understand any of that part yeah okay let's back up and set this up so Mm -hmm. percival wants to build a railroad through the heart of Riverdale. The heart of Riverdale is Pops. So Tabitha's all upset. She doesn't want to let this happen. And Jughead has an idea about making Pops a historical landmark so that they won't be able to tear it down. Which Quick is question. actually a good idea. What Was it the beginning of this one where she realizes he's reading her mind? Or he yes. could hear her thoughts? It's, okay. Because then it's after that that he comes up with the idea, I think. Right. Yep. Yes. That's right. I was like, oh shit, he just got caught. <laughs> right. Like, He's like, I didn't say any of that out loud. <laughs> it was going to happen eventually because that was oh, not yeah. a perfect system. We just we talked about that when he yeah, first started. That doing lasted it. way too that he got away with that for a very long time. <laughs> to be fair, he doesn't interact with a whole lot of people who don't know about it. It's really just Betty and Archie and then mm-hmm. like also Tabitha. But other like outside of that circle, Jughead doesn't talk to anybody really. So right. So the cat's out of the bag, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't really change anything. It just kind of right. She was just a little shook. Yeah, gives her some information. But they're working on this whole landmark situation, and I guess Percival sends a hitman into Pops, and he shoots Tabitha. And instead of dying like a normal person, she (laughs) time travels back to 1944, Christmas Eve. And and she sees Jughead, but it's not really Jughead. It's her guardian angel, Raphael. Raphael. Who is from Rivervale, right? That's mm-hmm. where he appeared. I, and spoke to her there as well. Yeah, I almost wanted to go back to verify what the scenario was surrounding that. And then I decided I didn't care. That was the devil episode, That's right? So funny. That was yes. the devil episode. Yes, yeah. that was the devil episode. Okay, yeah, because the devil was going to come fuck up pops probably firebomb it if i had to guess <laughs> and <laughs> and Raphael showed up okay yeah so okay it really bothers me when rivervale bleeds over into riverdale because yeah i think we that doesn't make any that. sense mm-hmm. so whatever this episode was also very jesusy in a way that i was not a fan of oh <laughs> my god jesusy plus a christmas carol <laughs> I mean, a Christmas Carol is inherently Jesusy, right? But I mean, just like keep Christ in Christmas, Dawn. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to think about Christmas right now. But just the fact that 
Raphael comes to her in three bodies. Yes. Granted, they're not past, present, future, but it's just that whole dynamic. Yeah, and traveling through time, too. I mean, they, they never really get to the present. The closest they come is to the 1990s, and then Tabitha goes back. But she also goes into the future. So that I don't I, even want to deal with. I can see where you're coming from with the Christmas Carol, but the Jesus-y stuff starts really early because, and it pissed me off because Tabitha's talking to Jughead and she's asking him all these questions because she's confused. She doesn't know why she's here, what's going on. And Raphael is basically like, here, read this book about time travel. <laughs> He's like, I don't have the answers. Only the Almighty does. And then he slides her the book and I, did the Almighty write the book? <laughs> because- I also felt like I was watching Dogma a little bit. I had dogma vibes. It was uncomfortable for me as a non-religious person and felt like it felt a little preachy, especially. Oh, it was super preachy. And the fact, again, each time period dealt with the same core issue. Like we weren't yes. dealing with Percival or whatever ancestor of Percival's, you know, did this in this one. And then when she goes to the second one, it's a different scenario, but somehow it's linked to the first. No, we're dealing with the same exact issue. Yeah. And, and, and I don't see I, how it's relevant to saving Pops. No. And and that's why I was saying before, it feels so performative when they when they try to cover racial issues in Riverdale, because it's just like all the other serious issues they try to cover where they just don't do it well enough. And they'll do it once and then never again. Right. Or, and forget about it. Or it's never referenced yeah. or considered like oh remember when we did that to help that right that no that never occurs i already felt like they were doing a better job of diversity in casting in this season you know tony and tabitha are both more primary characters mm-hmm. and so i feel like you don't have to shout out to people like hey racism is bad and watch this episode of Riverdale to see why right. like you, you don't have nobody's to, watching Riverdale to get you know yeah, you don't have lessons project, on racism you don't have to project that just you know show me don't tell me show me that you have diversity in your cast show me people reacting to that person but not in such an exploitative way I hate when they do stuff like this it just it feels like they're trying so hard to be like look at how woke Riverdale is Look at but they're technically not woke well because we're in the 1940s, the 1960s, or the 70s, 70s, the 90s. I only, I honestly only remember the first and the last one. The middle one, I think my the middle one was the Martin Luther King one. I and know that happened in the 60s. Right? Yeah, right. Okay. I think my attention was kind of waning in the middle. <laughs> like I'm over this. <laughs> yeah, like okay, I see where this is going. I don't need to be a part of it. But in every scenario, there's some racist activity happening and then there is subsequently Percival in some villainous form who is trying to make racism even worse by doing whatever. I have to admit the fir- the 1940s one was a little harsh. The whole like daylight rule or whatever? Yes. Oh, well, well the the sun sunset town sun, or whatever. Sundown whatever. Sundown. sundown town. Yeah, you're right. Sundown town. Yeah. And it was just kind of like, "Oh, after dark, People of color cannot be outside. And it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. I, it was just, it was a very drastic rule. And I well, understand. Well, it was a real thing. I know, but still, like, just to see it played out in a Riverdale sense, I was like, fuck. 
Yeah, I actually I thought you were going to say that um, you know Raphael burned them all. The Ark of the Covenant at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. We didn't get to see melted faces. It was pretty violent in terms of a soul. But I loved I loved how she's like, wait, if you could do it for the, can't you do it to them? And he's like, huh, yeah. I'll be right back. Prince Angel is pretty stupid. <laughs> right? He's not helpful at all. No. So, yeah, that first scenario plays out. I, I, I like, do we even really want to talk about them? Because they're just not that relevant. No, they're not relevant. But, like, the second one, it's the day before the assassination of Martin Luther King. Right. And Tabitha or Tessa at that time. I think it was Tessa or Tina. I did not even bother to keep track of Whichever one. I just remember hearing Tessa. And I'm going to call her Tabitha all the time. Cool. That's her name. <laughs> she gets this feeling of like just wanting to prevent it from happening. Mm-hmm. And Raphael during this time period is Tony. And Tony mm-hmm. basically says, you can't change that shit. Like that's. And this is a Doctor Who thing. Oh, it is? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they intentionally did this, but that's a very common thing for the doctor to say is that, you know, it's a fixed point in time. You can't change it. Right. Like it it would spiral. It would spiral everything out of control. Yes. It's a very convenient way of saying like you can't just hit redo every time something happens you don't like. Like um, Stephen King's book, 19. Oh, oh, yes. Um, 1963. Three. Three. Yeah. Yeah, I know. When Where <laughs> um, a character basically goes into a time machine behind a diner. Hey. Wow. Pops? Was it called Pops? <laughs> I started reading it. It was so long I couldn't. But it was intriguing. I liked it a lot from what I read. Yeah. And he goes back in time trying to prevent the Kennedy assassination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how he has to keep going back because he's fucking up. <laughs> you know, and it's like, yeah, yeah, no, you can't do that. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like it's just easier to be like, nope, it's a fixed point in time. You can't fix this. Sorry, because mm-hmm. otherwise you just go back and fix everything, you know. And exactly. And then what? So yeah, so she can't stop the assassination. So it happens, and then everybody wants to kind of gather and pops for comfort and whatnot. And then the FBI shows up, and this is you know Percival and Kevin, and they are like. Nah, y'all gotta go home. Oh, right. And then doesn't she call? She like, blackmails J. Edgar Hoover. <laughs> like, how does this happen? Listen, this whole episode to me felt like Mad Libs because everything yeah. that happened was so fucking random. It was like, I can't keep up with this. It was like Tabitha, verb, you know, prominent historical figure. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, and basically um, yeah. gets them to call off yeah the raid they were gonna the raid. they were gonna raid operation turkey Shh. yeah turkey yeah tur- <sighs> something because didn't they call it that when they were turkey going trot. to <laughs> it's not turkey shoot turkey shoot turkey i think it's turkey, turkey shoot and isn't that what they called it when they were gonna um shoot up all the serpents when they did the ghoulies versus serpents thing i don't remember oh okay i'm pretty <laughs> sure there was a turkey involved but there would, too but i would not yeah. pass them to reuse that yeah so that happens and okay fine and then we jumped to the late 90s and some kids were graffitiing pops and they were doing it under percival's influence because they mm-hmm. don't remember anything and blah 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 so tabitha traces it back to 
his curiosity shop, which we know now that Percival is going to be opening a curiosity shop in present day Riverdale. So Mm -hmm. it already exists in 1990 for some reason in this timeline. I I don't, I honestly don't even really want to get into whether or not any of this really happened because the time travel doesn't really make sense in terms of like what ends up happening in Riverdale. Yes, she didn't solve anything in present day. Yeah. So what, what, what? She she just stopped Riverdale from being racist. That's all she did. Right. (laughs) We're trying to prevent a railroad. Yeah. Totally different thing. And so, and like I said, he had a curious, so like, is he retro retconning himself into Riverdale's history? Is that what's going on here? Because he seems to be able to time travel. And then, as I said, he has a curiosity shop in 1999, but it isn't there yet in present day Riverdale. So like, if this is the same timeline, how do we get there? I don't know. So anyway, let's just, Mm. let's just breeze past that so tabitha goes to check it out she takes a bunch of polaroids which you know that's the 90s for you (laughs) those were the days (laughs) and she brings them back to Raphael, who is now betty and they're going through and it's all these relics it's Mm -hmm. the holy grail and some spear of vaginas or whatever what was it called Longinus. Longinus. Le- 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 it sounded like vaginus. <laughs> it did. And I texted you about it. I'm like, this fear of Leginus? Could it be any more like sexual sounding? Yeah. And, but there's nothing sexy about it because it was a spear that pursed Jesus. Pursed. Pierced Jesus. Pursed and, Jesus. <laughs> I'm, bur- I'm thinking Percival. Yeah. Piercing. This is when it got religious. Like, it got all Jesus y yeah. again. And it was like, what Tabitha read in that book that Jughead Raphael gave to her about time travel, she needed to find a totem of some kind that would allow that she could focus on hone in on that would allow her to control her time travel. And the book said that it could be something of majors or it had to be something of major significance to her or historically. And it gave the examples of, you know, it could be like a religious item or something like that. So Betty Raphael says, oh, obviously it's going to be one of these things. These are intensely biblical items, Mm -hmm. so you should go grab one of them. It might be your totem. And so Tabitha goes back to the curiosity shop, but this time (laughs) Percival is there inexplicably in like a ye olde military uniform. (laughs) Where are we? What are we? (laughs) Was it supposed to be like a Confederate uniform? Because it does seem like he would it does, yeah. fight for the Confederacy. But in 1999, I why? feel like it's that scene in the Spice Girls when the one guy is pitching the movie. Okay. In the movie. Yes. And they're the Spice Force Five. <laughs> yeah. And Jerry goes into the telephone booth. Oh, and yeah. She and spins she around and yep. comes out. Yep. I feel like maybe the Curiosity Shop is one of those places where he just <laughs> kind of spins and becomes the next person. I don't know. I have no idea. This is where my brain goes because this show makes me try to (laughs) analyze and come up with solutions to everything. The costuming just didn't make sense to me Mm -hmm. at that moment. I don't know why he had, I mean, he had a sword and then they started fighting and, you know, thank goodness. Tabitha is a fencing champion. Thank you. (laughs) Because otherwise she would have been Fencing and something else. She's like, I'm a champion in fencing and I. Oh, debate club. Debate club. 
Which I don't know why that was relevant. Was she gonna argue him to death? The whole episode or? isn't relevant. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Percival just disappears, right? Like she doesn't really win that fight. He just like vanishes. Right. But she grabs the Holy Grail, I guess, and goes to meet Raphael Betty again. And they're discussing what's going on. She's like, you know, who is this this guy? Who is mm-hmm. Percival? He's clearly able to time travel. Is he immortal? Is he a demon? And he's just like, I don't know. IDK. And um, you know, whatever. And then this was another Mad Libs moment for me. Tabitha drinks a milkshake out of the Holy Grail. I feel like, was it washed first? It looks <laughs> did, like it would have tasted like It did not like look rust. like it. it, it well, it actually, was... I thought it looked like a wooden cup. And so it's probably got like wood rot and, and dust and Oh, things. and to me it looked like... Tarnished, maybe? Like tarnished a tarnished, yeah, like yeah. a tarnished stone or something like I that. I mean, possibly. I don't know, but... You should not be drinking a milkshake out of it. And even just from a basic hygiene standpoint, but also if you are religious in any way, shape or form, isn't that offensive? Sacrilegious. Can somebody, yeah. Can somebody write in and tell us if you're Catholic and you really believe in Jesus and the Holy Grail and shit? Did that offend you? Because I feel like it should have. Yeah. It's like taking the chalice that the wine is served at mass and putting a vodka soda in it. Wow, Don, that was such a great example. <laughs> that's, ex- that's exactly like that was the equivalent. Like, oh, and that gets you back to normal. Cool. Holy shit, that was. We should all be doing this. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I think that's how she gets. Was the bomb earlier? The bomb might have been earlier because oh, the bomb. Yeah, the bomb no. was in the middle because middle. This, this was when they thought that the Holy Grail was going to be her totem. But it turns out when she gets back, she has realized she's had an epiphany that Pops is actually her totem. I don't think we needed the time travel to figure that out. No. And also, I did go back and kind of watch this episode again, skipping through just to refresh my memory. And when I did that and I saw when she was reading the description of what a totem is, I was like, you fucking idiot. Of course it's Pops. Like, why would you go looking and and Jughead Raphael is like, well, it sounds like a needle in a haystack. And it's like, is it really, though? Like, if Given you... every scenario, that's where you started. Uh, yeah. And that's where you ended. If it's something that's significant to you, like, yeah, obviously it would be. Ugh, oh, whatever. and that's. Oh, I don't know. That's what we're fighting for. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like stupid. But so. Oh, well, she's back in present day. The henchman still comes through the door. But right. She catches she knows it's happening mm-hmm. and takes a can of something and chucks it perfectly <laughs> at his head and knocks him out yeah and Doug i'm like, like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> it's like i'm deaf but i'm not blind <laughs> yeah, like, what the hell just happened here and he's like did i miss something she's like you did you really did but yeah oh wow so she then the whole crew gets uh pops the superhero crew, because I noticed yes. Veronica is not a part of any She's of this anymore. She's not a superhero. Anymore. She's not a part of anything anymore. It's very strange what they're doing with Veronica. Right. And we have Jughead's mind reader. Mm-hmm. Tabitha's time traveler. Betty is an empath who can see energies. Archie's invulnerable. And Cheryl is a pyrokinetic. Yeah. 
and together they form. <laughs> I can't. And I told you earlier in the season, why must everything, turn, like, again, I love superhero shit, but why are we turning them into superheroes? No, I don't know. And like, if this I, happened I mean, in Rivervale, I'd be like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I said this too. Like, I, I really thought that we were moving away from that coming back into Riverdale. And it's just very disappointing to me that we're still doing it. And, and that's just never what this show was. So to pivot and do this feels so incongruous and just I, I feel very off balance I, I don't know what this show is anymore mm-hmm. and Tabitha does say you know I think a war is coming and we're gonna have to use our superpowers to defeat Percival who is the personification of evil we don't know exactly what he is but he fucking sucks is all we know yeah she and- saw the apocalypse in Riverdale yes when she travels forward into the future it doesn't look so good. We also don't know exactly like when in the future. Because if she went like 3,000 years in the future, that's probably what the show should be like. done by then. Thank you. <laughs> you know, if like we have gonna... to live through that. We're going <laughs> we're gonna... <laughs> to die before this show is over. Honestly, a, a blessing. But yeah, so we don't know exactly what the timeline is on that. All they say is she went into the future, but we don't. Was it five years or? three days <laughs> i'm sure we'll find Can we out. get a sense of the urgency here because yeah. it could be a while we could have quite some time before we need to worry about riverdale imploding and you never know we might get i mean everybody's been getting a superpower at a different time kind of yes after yeah so i'm wondering if veronica's gonna come up with one too and i couldn't even imagine what it could be at this point invisibility we don't have any um telekinetic person that's true that could be useful but wow yeah i don't know what they're doing with veronica right now she's very much on her own island and then she had that whole thing with with reggie oh yeah he took i guess that machines to the yeah that was in the yeah the last episode i think right and he's but she basically kicked him out yeah Yeah. she said you're banished from my bed So what a threat man and then one of the mobsters called her garbage and i think that was probably one of my favorite moments of riverdale ever i mean reggie got real upset about it but it was funny to me (laughs) (laughs) because i agree but yeah i also thought we we skimmed over this in the beginning i i thought that it was very strange that nobody wanted to help Tabitha go up against Percival because she went from person to person at the beginning of this episode to say, I need help. And they were all Archie in there. Archie was such a puss about it. Yes. He was like, I just got this shit kicked out of me. So I'm um, not going to be going he's up against scary and I can't do it. <laughs> it's just so Don't unlike him. Don't make me do it. I know. It, it sucked. It it's sucked so, so unlike bad. him. And it was unlike Betty, too, to just be like, I got a lot of stuff going on. Um, you know things tbk i think i don't know and i was just like nobody's gonna help tabitha like like none of that made sense to me i know that they i would have laughed i don't think she had them on at the time but if she had her sunglasses on and like that was the excuse and she's like i'm not seeing very well so (laughs) um, and he's super pasty white so it hurts my eyes (laughs) blinding and i can't handle it oh anything is possible in this show fucking stupid show also 
Like, the number of times someone has walked into Pops, pulled a gun, and shot someone is kind of ridiculous. Like, this episode is not the first time it's happened, and I'm pretty no. sure it's, like, more than I can count on a, on a single hand. I feel so. like every <laughs> type of crime has been committed at Pops. Yeah, that place is... It should Orson. Be, should be bulldozed. Yeah. And, you know, they were running, high schoolers were running an illegal bar and casino down there for a while. You know, there's just bad juju in that place. Aliens came down. (laughs) Oh, the Mothman. The Mothman. I miss the Mothman. (laughs) How fucking inconsequential that was that, like, the Mothman were literally not even a thing. Like, we spent so much time on that and it ended up not They really try to hit us with the supernatural and then it ends up being a dud. Which is why maybe that's why we're being given this whole superhero scenario. I maintain, I still think that when they defeat Percival, they will lose their superpowers and go back to being normal. And then what do we have? <laughs> I don't know. Because maybe, <laughs> maybe then we can find out what's going in the custody battle with baby Anthony. Oh, yes, yes. Or, yes. you know, we can find out if Archie and Betty are going to bang and have a baby. Nobody has sex, Dawn. No one's having sex in Riverdale. And it's it's disappointing. It's very disappointing. I don't even think Frank and Alice are banging. No, like how's FP doing wherever he went? Oh. I need to know. Yeah, that would be nice. Is Tom Keller boning anybody these days? He's a lonely man. <laughs> Does he, you know, role play with his southern accent? Oh, yeah. I mean, he probably has, like, another personality mm. that he talks to because he's got nobody. And poor fucking Kevin. We didn't even talk about how how Kevin is getting the shaft. Kevin and Reggie Every both. scenario. Every scenario he was put in, he was the shittiest human. And it's like, why does he have to be the shitty sidekick all the time? I know. It's so sad. And especially because there is another character that's a gay character that could be brought more forefront and not have to make a statement about being gay, but just kind of like let him do something that isn't terrible. Right. And then we have Reggie who's like boning his car and then his dad (laughs) dies and then he's now involved with gangsters. And why does he have to fail all the time now too no yeah they fucked this up real hard i think they had so much potential coming back in season five after that time jump and they squandered it in like the worst possible way they brought them back seven years instead of forward seven years we yeah we've regressed and and it's just i don't know where like nobody grew up like nobody grew up no, and I don't know where this show is going anymore, and I don't know why I care. You know, like, I really don't feel invested in anybody, and I don't know that, and I think it's because I don't know that anybody feels invested in anybody else. Even Archie, like I said, Archie and Betty should be living together, but we haven't gotten anything on their relationship in the longest fucking time. No, it doesn't even although... seem like they're together, <laughs> and they're spending so much time with Jughead now that it's just like everybody's hanging out in a group. Right. It's back to high school again. Yeah. But we did see in like previews though, Betty and Archie do look at a pregnancy test at some point. I just don't know when that is. Right. I, listen, I felt that eye roll. <laughs> I saw it. I felt it in my soul. Oh, good. I'm getting stronger. <laughs> oh God. Now we're getting super. This is my superpower. The ability to make people feel my eye rolls. <laughs> and how disapproving I am. 
Man, but I think that concludes those two. Yeah, I think we have to stop for our health. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we've talked for a long time. A long time. And like 15 minutes of that was about deep water. So. Right. <laughs> ah! So after today, we're back on the normal sketch. Yes, more Riverdale coming at you in just a few days. In a few days. <laughs> Yikes. And then we do have two movies planned. We just don't know exactly when they're going to be released yet. No, but very excited. Yes, we have, which just came out this week. Yep. The new 365 Days This Day. Yep. And Rubber. Which. Couldn't have picked two more diametrically. Random. (laughs) But honestly, Rubber deals with a romance. So we're Um, back to our romance kick. Yeah, we should go back to February. You know, and we just really want to do 365 this day because it just came out in um, fall. Yeah, well, not just because of that, but also right. because the first movie was so fucking fun. <laughs> and honestly, I've been sending you the TikToks of the red carpet, of them on the red carpet. Yeah. Holy shit. They're He's gorgeous. Couple. Like, yeah. Oh, um, my God. It does, now, I feel like I haven't seen him smile at any point. Does he smile at any of the red carpet photos? A little. Like, I mean, smirking, but nothing like. Yeah. I'm worried that his smile is really terrible. (laughs) I know that would be bad. That would be really bad. But the new guy that comes in for this movie. Oh, because there has to be a love triangle in the second book. So on the red carpet, like, they're all in a line. Mm -hmm. And she's in the middle of the two of them. Of course. And the new guy kisses her neck Sexy. and she's all cool with it and then Massimo <laughs> <laughs> grabs her around the I'm like please stop oh <laughs> my god too much for me <laughs> it's getting hot in here and we haven't even watched the movie yet <laughs> um so yeah so I'm really wait. really 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 excited for that <laughs> um but yeah once we figure out when we when we're gonna do those I will definitely post everywhere Yes. go check us out on social media yes we're everywhere i also do want to give a quick shout out because she gave us a shout out um my friend crystal's podcast finally released this week yay crystal the rebel healer um you could find her everywhere you get podcasts she's everywhere she's on instagram twitter she has a patreon so if you want to oh. yes <laughs> deluxe <laughs> i know if you want to support her that way Again, the Rebel Healer. Um, she is a shaman, a Reiki healer. She dabbles. I wouldn't say dabbles. She she's in. <laughs> fully um, in. Fully in uh, with the metaphysical. But she does put her own spin on things, which makes it a lot more fun. She's going to have personal stories. She's going to have interviews with people yeah i think maybe guest stars or like guest stars we know <laughs> yeah i might be on there a couple of times with some embarrassing uh fun stories for you but wait in addition to the embarrassing fun stories you tell on this podcast oh yeah it's gonna be it's it's gonna be way more intense because the <laughs> shit that she's gonna get out of me whew, we've already talked about it it's gonna be wild yeah see we like to let the content be embarrassing rather than us right <laughs> right 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 <laughs> so definitely give her a look-see and a listen she also does a segment of tea time where since her podcast is released on thursdays 
she does a drink. Oh. In the beginning of every, and that's where the shout out came from because she made the Ramosa that we had when I was up there. Cute. So give her a listen. And until then, that's Endgame. game.